In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. If Jesus were teaching today in Central Florida, he might well have collapsed these two parables into one, one about the night-blooming Sirius that grows in my yard. Oh, probably 25 years ago, at our old house, this little cactus showed up. It just came up out of the ground. It was about a cucumber size when Sherry found it. And then we just, we did what we were going to do for the next 25 years and pretty much ignore it. And by the time we moved to our current house, a little less than 20 years ago, it had grown to about, oh, two or three feet tall. So we brought it with us, put it in the ground, and continued to ignore it. And it started to grow and grow and grow. And now that little serious cactus is about 15 feet tall. And it has, I counted the, the, um, the branches yesterday, and I lost count after the low 50s. So it's got over 50 branches, it's 15 feet tall, and then about five years ago, to our surprise, it started putting out buds and then blossoms. And that's when I realized it was a night-blooming Sirius. And that Sirius, that Sirius cactus is maybe the happiest Sirius cactus on planet Earth. Last year, it gave us six different rounds of buds and then blossoms, and I counted 1,180 flowers over the course of the season. It was amazing. It's awesome. And its growth, it just grew by itself, and, and every bee in central Florida makes its way to that cactus. So Jesus could have made every point he wanted to make in those two parables with, with the parable of Reggie and Sherry's seriously happy, serious, night-blooming Sirius. I kind of feel like it's a, a word of life, just producing life is a good one on a day when death and ugliness of the world are right in our face. Five years ago, yesterday, the Pulse shooting happened. Also that night, uh, also that weekend, singer-songwriter Christina Grimmy was, was shot down after she gave um, a concert here in town. And you remember a two-year-old toddler uh, from Nebraska was lost to a gator, to an alligator in, um, in Disney. And the shootings since then, the global pandemic that thus far has taken 600,000 uh, lives in the United States and so many million more in the rest of the world, a political season that we're still, we're still not able to get in the rearview mirror. It just weighs on it all. The, the death, the meanness, it just weighs so heavily. It's good. It's good to be reminded that the Bible's basic word is about life. The key verse today for me is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, new creation, the old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. 
I'd like to talk from Paul's letter about three things that come with new creation. And then I'd like to go back to uh, the parables for one fourth point. What comes to us as a gift of new creation? In the first place, a new identity that comes from God himself, not from other people. Listen to what Paul says in verse 11. We ourselves are well known to God, and I hope that we are also well known to your consciences. But that doesn't matter as much as God knows who we are. Here's the deal. I'm not necessarily who you'd like me to be. But I'm who God has made me to be. I know that on the day of the great assize, I will stand before the Bema. That's the word that Paul uses here. The Bema was the, the judgment seat that in Corinth was set out in the middle of the, of the city plaza where the governor would come and make judgments. No to you, yes to you, no to you, yes to you, especially no to you. And I'm not looking at Robert Swanson when I say that. <laughs> On that day, what you think of me won't matter a fig. All that will matter is what he thinks. And I already know what he thinks because he's already told me. Today, I accept that he has made me who I am and he has given his blood to cleanse me and to begin his work to make me over after his own image. I know that he knows me and that's all that really matters. That comes with new creation in Christ. He knows what's okay as it is and he knows what needs fixing. He knows what his own timetable is. And I know he's working just the way he wants to, just when he wants to. Thank you very much. Think of David. Now, I hope I'm not being overly imaginative here, but this has got to be David's mindset. Okay, leave me in the field with the sheep because I'm the eighth son. I don't count that much, right? Well, you know what? Out here, I'm going to be the best shepherd I can because the Lord is my shepherd. And so I'm going to feed these sheep. I'm going to protect these sheep. I'm going to sing to these sheep as best I can if that's what my Lord, the shepherd of my soul, wants for me until perhaps he wants something else. That's a new identity that all of us can live with. Now, with that new identity comes second, a fearlessness in telling people about Jesus. As Paul says, so we are always confident. Yes, we do have confidence. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade others. And of course, that's what Paul's been doing throughout his letter to the Corinthians. A church that is confused about all kinds of things. He wants to tell them truthfully and fearlessly how things relate to Jesus. Power, money, sex, spiritual gifts, theology. And then there's Patrick. We know him as Patrick of Ireland, but he's really from England, from the ancient church. 
as a young, as a teenager, Patrick was kidnapped from England by Irish pirates, taken over to Ireland and made a slave. He escaped a few years later, went back home to England, became a Christian, and started getting concerned for the Irish who had captured him. And so he goes back to Ireland to tell them about Jesus. He does so fearlessly, and the rest is history. And then in our day, there's Rachel Den Hollander, one of the many female athletes at Michigan State University, abused by people that had no right to do so. Men who should have known better. Because Rachel Den Hollander belongs to Christ, she refuses to let herself be defined by being a victim. She's become a lawyer and a fierce advocate for girls and women in situations similar to hers. And she tells without fear men the truth about women. Women are neither seductresses or tempters. They're not objects for your pleasure. They are your sisters and fellow bearers of the image of Christ. And they must be treated with dignity and worth. The question, the matter of fearlessness, or fearlessness raises for you and me is, whom might you and I be called upon fearlessly to tell the truth about Jesus? With that new identity and that new fearlessness come third, a new perspective on other people. New creation identity gives you and me a new perspective on who other people are. Notice what Paul says in verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. You see, Paul learned no longer to look at Christ from a merely human point of view or according to the flesh. He came to see that Christ is what we have all been made to be. And to make us into what we were made to be, Jesus was willing, as Paul says later in this very chapter, to become sin for us. Well, when you realize that Jesus is a picture of what we're made to be and became less than what we were made to be so that we could become what we were made to be. It changes the way you see people. I think of Alfred the Great. Winston Churchill records the fact that after two great and decisive victories over the dreaded and terrible Danish invaders in the late 800s, the Saxon king of Wessex, Alfred, dispenses mercy rather than judgment. First, Alfred defeats the Danish king Guthrum at Eddington. After Guthrum had meanly, cruelly violated a treaty. After he's captured, Guthrum offers to return hostages for his own army's passage. Alfred plays the long game and insists instead on the conversion 
of the Danish army. Alfred even offers to divide the disputed land with the Danes. And he becomes Guthrum's godfather at the baptismal font. Later, Alfred's son and son-in-law have to confront and defeat King Haston, the, the Danish pagan king's wife, and two Christian sons are captured. Since Haston's sons are baptized Christians, Alfred insists against all his advisors' advice to return the sons to the father. Churchill, who, by the way, was the winner of the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1953, Churchill explains, and bear with me for this paragraph, the two sons were Christian brethren, and the king protected them from the consequences of their father's wrongful war. The ninth century found it very hard to understand this behavior when the kingdom was fighting desperately against brutal marauders. But that is one of the reasons why in the aftertime, the king is called Alfred the Great. The war wore on. But so far as the record shows, Haston never fought again. It may be that mercy and chivalry were not in vain. And there were the people of Charleston's AME Emmanuel Church who to their intransigent, unrepentant, to, to the intransigent, unrepentant killer of their congregants said, we forgive you. With a new perspective on people that comes from being a part of new creation and my new identity and my fearlessness in Christ, I, we, I hope, can forget about judginess, about how people, I don't know, raise their kids, keep their budgets, spend their time, think about politics, you name it. I, we, can feel compassion for their wrestling with who they are. We can recognize that so many bad decisions come from a place of not feeling loved and not knowing one's place in the universe. And because I, because hopefully we see them not from a human point of view, not according to the flesh, I, we, can offer what we have to offer, a voice that says, you are loved, and perhaps a hand that points to the one true North Star whose name is Jesus. Fourth, to go back to, the par to our parables, there emerges with this new identity in Christ, this new fearlessness in Christ, and this new perspective on people, there, there emerges somehow in a way that's beyond our control, without, beyond our planning such things, there, there, there comes from us an irresistible attractiveness. Notice that when um, the first plant that Jesus talks about is fully grown, there's a harvest. When the shrub is large enough to support birds, 
nests. The birds come and make their home there and are seriously serious about blossoming cactus. It attracts, I'm serious, every bee in central Florida. They come for the sweetness they find there. When new creation takes hold, when it's gifts of your new identity, your new fearlessness, your new perspective on other people, you become an island of refuge for storm-tossed, drowning people. You become a beacon of hope for people without hope. Nathaniel Hawthorne's The Scarlet Letter revolves around three sinners who respond to their sinfulness in wildly different ways and with wildly different results. The adulterous pastor Dimsdale hides his sin and nearly loses his soul in the process. The sin against physician Chillingworth never forgives. Instead, he grows obsessively vengeful and finally becomes devil's food. Hester Prynne, the adulteress, owns her guilt, accepts the full consequences of her sin, and even goes the second mile, so to speak, by generously, if misguidedly, protecting the identity of both her paramour and her husband. In the, in the end, she emerges with a quiet radiance. She becomes a magnet for others whom sin has left wounded, wasted, wronged, and wretched especially women. She can comfort and counsel chiefly because of her own crucible. Your life and mine have the same potential. Embracing new creation with its identity, its fearlessness, its new perspective on people, we can become magnets for others whom sin has left wounded, wasted, wronged, and wretched. Allow me to close by praying once again our collect for the day. Keep, O oh Lord, your household, the church, in your steadfast faith and love, that through your grace we may proclaim your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion. For the sake of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.